This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, it's Good News Tuesday. We feature the story of Kevin Stone, who creates massive and stunning sculptures made of metal. They're shiny, they're stainless steel, they're beautiful. He shares his passion for his craft and how the trades can be a gateway to fulfilling your career and maybe your creative artistic side. Are you okay with barbecue? What about dips? And scientists may have found a way to regrow your teeth. Now, is that going to be a solution for your dental issues? Well, Dr. Bruce Yaholnitsky is a periodontist, dentist, based out of Calgary, and the president of the Alberta Dental Association. He helps us understand the impact of our oral health in general, maybe if regrowing teeth is even reasonable, and then plus just some really great tips of the basics and a really hard reminder that we have to brush our teeth and floss. He is a dentist after all. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. I was death scrolling my way through the internet, I have to admit. And I happened upon a picture of a T-Rex, very shiny disco ball, shiny T-Rex. And I forwarded to Ryan. I said, I want to talk to this guy. That was it. That was all of it. His name is Kevin Stone. He's a metal sculptor. He does all kinds of cool stuff. And I would like to say, Kevin, that I am super organized and researched into all things metal structures, but I'm not. I just thought it was cool (laughs) and wanted to talk to you about it. Um, Where are you located? What do you do? You can probably sound a little more professional than I just did. Well, thanks, Shane, for thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, no, I've been a metal sculptor for 20 years. I'm located in uh, Chilliwack, BC, out in British Columbia. I'm about an hour east of Vancouver. And um, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I've, uh, I was a metal tradesman. And then um, I got an opportunity through a company I worked at to do uh, a piece of metal art, a big gargoyle for the company. They wanted it up on the rooftop of their building. And um that led into a couple of private backers to do big projects, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And mm-hmm. and uh, I've been almost doing it. I, I did it full time for ten years. Uh, then I had a hot rod shop and and built cars for ten years. Mm-hmm. And then the artwork really started to explode again. And I actually left the hot rod shop, sold out to my partners, and I've been doing it now full time again for the last three years. Amazing. So were you in the fabrication end, the welding end, the what, like sheet metal? How did you, where were you yeah, before you so got into it? I started my trade in uh, commercial steel. So I used to be an iron worker and, oh, and okay. uh, you know, climbing the steel and doing bridges and high rises and stuff like that. Got that. Yep. And then, um, and I then, was a scaffolder, so I feel your pain. Right. <laughs> and then as uh, it progressed, I started doing a lot of shop fabrication. Um, I've been in multiple industries. I've been in mining industries, shipbuilding industries. Um, uh, brewery is where I had left. So I was actually, um, I was involved in some big major shipbuilding. And um, as that started to slow down, I left the union and left the shipbuilding and wanted to have more of an inside, uh, you know, kind of a clean job and uh, started doing stainless fabrication for a brewery company, building microbreweries. And um, that led into my first sculpture. And and then kind of, I just say the rest is history after that. So the T-Rex that you built in Penticton, uh, how big is that? It's, um, it's huge. It's one of the biggest pieces I've done. So it's 50 feet long. It's about twenty, uh, about twenty-three feet tall. 
mm-hmm. um, and weighs about 15,000 pounds. And it's all so, mere, mere polished stainless steel. Yes, mega, mega polished. Okay, so I have quite, I mean, I've been to Drumheller. I've climbed that one, that T-Rex right. from the inside. That's and huge, that, yeah. that's huge, right? Yeah. This one, though, I mean, this is a sculpture. Like, this is, I mean, that's kind of like painted and shaped. This is like off the charts. <laughs> this is, um, like, did you build it there or did you have to truck it there? Like, does, yeah, so I, I don't know I if you, I your family studio. hates you because you do it in the backyard, like... I have a studio here in Chilliwack, so I have a pretty big shop. I have an 8,500 square foot shop with 20 foot ceilings. And um, I've been in that shop since January, and I had a smaller shop actually where I started the T-Rex. So when I left the hot rod shop, the work I was doing, I was doing a Game of Thrones dragon, and uh, which was as big as the T-Rex. And then... um, And then the T-Rex contract came in almost at the same time. So that was my that was when I knew I had to leave the hot rod shop because there simply wasn't room to build cars and, and do these massive projects. So I ended up uh, moving out to a farm in Abbotsford. Uh, a farmer had rented me a great big studio there and it was a 4,000 square foot shop, but it had low ceilings. So it was low enough that uh, the dragon was in a position with his wings out and everything that I could build the dragon inside the shop had 13 or 14 foot ceilings. So uh, the dragon was only 12 feet tall at the shoulders, uh, even though he was 50 feet long, but it, the, his tail was the the part that went up into the air. So I was able to build the dragon there. But when I started the T-Rex, I had to just do the head inside and the legs and the hips and everything started to be built outside because there was wow. no room in the shop. And then um, then we realized, you know, with the weather and all the, you know, everything else involved in trying to work outside, it was just wasn't practical. So we relocated back to Chilliwack and uh, rented a much larger facility to be able to finish the T-Rex. And even then, I wasn't able to build the T-Rex complete. I was able to build his hips and his legs and his tail all in one piece. And then his his kind of part of his belly, his chest and his head and his arms all had to be in a separate piece. And I actually never got to see the piece together. I had no idea what it looked like until we actually installed it. And I got to stand back and, and, you know, see that it, it worked out or it didn't work out. So it was a pretty stressful moment. Wow. That's a risky endeavor. Hey, hello everybody. Here's what your sculpture you asked for and uh, let's see if it fits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why. So the, the dragon you're talking about, is that the one in your uh, projects, the Chinese Imperial Water Dragon? Is that the one? No. So that was my first dragon that I did. And I did that about uh, 10 years ago. And um, That's remarkable, and, man. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a long story. Just before COVID, I was, contra- I, I did, I was contacted by um, the Big Boys Toy Show in Las Vegas. And they uh, wanted me to display a piece, which I didn't have anything to display. But I agreed to come down to Vegas and display a piece and and make a piece specifically for the show. And they have a lot of, um, you know, uh, Saudis and and, uh, Arab Emirates and and, um, Dubai type clients that come to that show. It's like a billionaire show. Uh, and really expensive items there on display and real futuristic stuff. And I thought, you know, what a great place to target uh you know large-scale sculpture like i do so i built a big falcon i built a 30-foot stainless steel polished falcon and uh and was prepared to bring it down to las vegas and have it on display there and covid struck after i fit just after i finished it covid Oops. struck for the show and then the show was canceled and then i was stuck with a hundred thousand dollar 
stainless steel bird that I had invested into. You know, it took me about 10 months to build and um, and I was kind of stuck with it. So I kind of just shoved it into a corner, tried to advertise it a little bit on social media and um, went back to hot rods and building hot rods. And um, and then a few months later, I got a phone call from a guy that was out at Dollywood. So I have a I have a 50 foot eagle out at Dollywood. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he was there with his kids from California. And he was standing in front of my eagle when he called me and he said, he goes, I got to have this. I want one of these. Can you make me one just like this? So we started talking and I said, you know, I can build anything. It doesn't have to be an eagle. I can build anything. And then he's the one that came back with the Game of Thrones dragon. So he's like, well, what about a Game of Thrones dragon? And of course, after doing my big Chinese dragon, I had always wanted to do that kind of that European, you know, uh, dragon where he shoots fire and, you know, has wings and everything. So that was right up my alley. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do the dragon. I had never seen Game of Thrones up until that point. So my <laughs> wife and I, we went home and binge watched the whole series in a weekend almost. And um, I kind of agreed to do the dragon before I realized what I was undertaking. It was a very complicated piece. Um with a lot of detail and a lot of work to do those details. Um, but I took it on and uh, and I finished it. And uh, just in last January, it was delivered to a private home in Utah, so. That's absolutely remarkable. The Okay, so, but when you do this, it's not like Ikea, man. Kevin, there, there's no, there's not like a stick man showing you how to build it. Like, are you engineering it, like drawing it on CAD, building it out, doing all the parts, well, parts list, doing it? Like, what so do you do? One of the things I pride myself in as an artist is trying to be a true artist, and I don't use computers for anything. Um, lately, I've been trying to use AI a little bit, and that's not to actually do anything to do with me building the art, but more to give the client ideas so i'll i'll use ai to come up with you know ideas and i can use those ideas to show the client what i'm you know kind of anticipating to build for them and if they like the design then i'm a visual artist so how i built the t-rex how i built the game of thrones how i built all my artwork is literally by looking at pictures so if it's an eagle i'll just print a bunch of pictures of an eagle and and build it by eye and with the Game of Thrones dragon or the T-Rex, it was the same thing. I, I kind of binge-watched the show for the Game of Thrones dragon, and then I, I printed some pictures that I could find on the internet that showed just different poses and different views of the dragon and, you know, maybe some close-ups of the head and stuff. And then I just build it by eye, and I just kind of try to calculate how big everything is just all visually by eye and, and build it one step at a time. Okay, now I'm not an artist. But I tried to draw Snoopy once, and perspective is hard. And you're talking three-dimensional perspective, like you've yeah. got balance and and everything that's got to be there. And somehow yeah. you're just you're just cranking it off, like you you like Kevin. You didn't see the T Rex until you put it together, and you're telling me that like you could you could like oh yeah that'll fit and it'll yeah. look all right. Like you can picture yeah. that. Yeah, there's steps to do, uh, you know, as I do the steps uh, visually, I mean, everything is standing back as best I can and looking at everything. But for instance, with the T-Rex, I knew that I wasn't able to, um, you know, move it outside, put it together, take it apart, move it back inside. You know, it involves cranes and it involves 
you know, heavy lifting, really expensive. You know, a crane is three or four hundred dollars an hour. Uh, if you got, you know, it can be thousands and thousands of dollars just to have that kind of visual perspective. And you can't work out there, uh, you know, waiting for the crane waiting for you while it's all hooked up and everything. So the only way I could figure it out, you know, I, I'm kind of a master at solving problems. So everything is a problem to me. And I just figure out how to make it, how to do it and how to engineer it. And um, so for that, that particular case where the T-Rex had never been together, I made a gasket and the gasket fit the front half of the body. And I knew that it, it you know, I kind of made a gasket where all the bolt holes were and where the skin was. And it was like a big, perfectly fitting gasket. And then I took that gasket and I put it up against the body. And then I shaped the metal on the body to fit that gasket. So if the two gas, if the gasket from side to side fit both sides, you know, and it, you picture a piece of paper sandwiched in the middle and it's a perfect fit. I was, uh, I mean, it probably wasn't exactly perfect. I might've been a quarter inch out here or there, but on the scale of how big it was, you really hardly notice. So quarter inch out, I'm thinking, like, <laughs> come on, like that's your biggest problem, Kevin. Oh my God. Um, let's talk about trades, Kevin. I mean, you're an artist. Um, you come from that background, you know, iron worker and all the bits and pieces working with steel. In today's world, lots of people stay away from trades, but I always sort of say my daughter is studying to be a welder. Nice. And yep. uh, yeah, and there's a lot of actually young ladies that are that are taking on welding as a trade. Yep. My cousin, uh, she's a woman. She's she's been welding now for probably ten or fifteen years, and um, she like these people take it on now. So many people look at the trades as I'm going to be welding pipelines for the rest of my life, Groundhog Day style. <laughs> and right. and but not all trades have to go that way. What do you say to those people? Because you wouldn't have ended up building eagles for Dollywood hadn't you just got started in iron work and started to try things? So people, sure. trades people need to, if you can go get a trade and you can get the foundational parts done, what do you say to those people who, you know, have a young person, know a young person and, or considering going into trades? What do you tell those people? Well, there's a variety of uh, things that you can do in the industry. And if you have a passion for art or car building or uh, boat building or, you know, you know, there's so many, so many ornamental uh, artwork, you know, there's ironworking, there's blacksmithing, there's, uh, you know, metal shaping for automotive industries. Um, there's Simple so things many like farrier, right? Like, yeah, there's so many things that you could get into. And, and what I did and what I recommend for any young student wanting to get into welding and wanting to get into metalworking and, and depending on what, what reasons they're actually doing it. Um, it can be a wonderful trade. So in, in certain aspects, you can, um, you can work with uh, a lot of technology, you know, there's robotic uh, industry that's getting involved in welding and stuff like that. So it can get quite technical. Um, but also I, I suggest um, don't just stick to one thing. Don't just get a job and, you know, grind that nine to five and, and put in your time and, you know, stick out you know obviously stick out where you're where you're where you're working and learn what what they're doing and what they're building and and kind of master what they're doing and when you're bored or tired of that move on and find something completely completely different else to do and it helps uh broaden your um aspect of what your skills are you know so every every manufacturer does a certain thing and they do it usually repetitively especially in welding you know depending who you're working for or what you're doing uh it can be very repetitive work you can be manufacturing you can be building the same thing over and over and over again whereas other companies 
that you know every time they give you a drawing to build something it's something different and it can be in aluminum it can be in steel it could be in stainless steel and uh so that's a uh, that's the nice aspect of of you know working in the trade is 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 you know the trade is in demand there's lots of work out there and you can pick and choose really what you enjoy working and doing and um and definitely you know experiment a little bit as to what you like doing you know there's different types of welding if you like working outdoors there's lots of outdoor work if you prefer to work inside uh there's lots of indoor work so so it really um it's a real wide open um, trade that you can be in and uh, and it can be a really wonderful trade. You know, the, the wages have increased a lot, especially in the ship manufacturing. I know here in Vancouver, you know, young people, uh, they're really pushing at C-SPAN to get young people to come and work for them. They have all these contracts to build military ships and ferries and uh, they're starting young people off at $46 an hour, you know, with benefits and union benefits and, and all the benefits that go along with being a union employee so so uh lots of overtime lots of you know double pay and stuff like that so the young people can really actually make a pretty good living um when a trade like that is starting you at such a good wage you know mm -hmm. so um so that so that 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 for sure is one aspect of it if you enjoy you know doing artwork well you know you can uh, you know, what I do is kind of unique and, and I and it's large scale and it's very expensive and it's not easy to get into. And and I have a very vast background of metal fabrication that actually allows me to do what I do. Um, you know, I have lots of engineering experience. I've worked with engineers for over 30 years, so I understand what they're looking for and, and what's needed, uh, you know, like you were mentioning for balance and for strength. Yeah. Um, these pieces are so large. I have to engineer them that they're that they're safe for the public. You know, when the, yeah. when when for instance, Dollywood Bird, I had to have professionally engineered, and that had to handle 200 mile per hour winds because they get uh, tornadoes down there. So yeah. those are things that you don't even think about when you want to just do a big bird. You're like, oh, I just want to build a big bird, and then you have to realize that. You know, that big bird weighs 10,000 pounds and you don't want the metal to fatigue and break or crack or, you know, I want a kid. yeah. So, uh, so it's, uh, it's definitely a challenging career. Um, uh, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love That's doing great. that. So. Uh, though you should build big bird, literally. Um, <laughs> so you have a branding issue though. You, you realize that your name is Kevin Stone. Right. <laughs> And uh, I found it confusing because I was like, who's Kevin Stone? And Ryan's like, he's the guy you wanted to talk to for the metal sculptor. And like, his name is Kevin Stone? Yeah. I mean, you should consider changing that just as the, the marketing <laughs> guy. Kevin Steele would be like really cool. Right. Okay, all jokes aside, though, um, this is polished metal. Like, it is so beautiful and everything else. I got to ask, like, stainless steel appliances at home in your house, are they perfect? No fingerprints always? Because you have, I'm assuming, spent so much time cleaning all of these little bits and putting it all up there, it's immaculate. I mean, these things are so shiny. They're like a mirror ball shiny. That's I right. got it. Stainless steel appliances in your kitchen, are they perfect? No fingerprints? I got to ask. No, no, unfortunately, no, they, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even the T-Rex, we had it all detailed and cleaned before shipping. And then, of course, on the way up there through the highways, you, we hit rain and mud and overpasses. And, you know, it was just a ball of mud, basically, when we got there. So we were doing some wiping and cleaning. And mm -hmm. Mother Nature rained pretty hard the one night that we were finishing up. So um, that helped clean it as well. But they're low maintenance. Once they're outside, it's, you know, yeah. pressure wash it if you feel it needs it. And, um, 
you know, for maintenance, maybe once or twice a year, just pressure wash it. And that's all it needs. So that's all it takes. eh? Yeah. Huh. That's uh it's Kevin, like it's cool. It's neat. It's impressive. There's not a photo on here that is not impressive. The, the list of the sculptures is just, it's inspiring. It makes you want to try it. Not like I could even think I could do it, but it makes you want to do it. And the feathers, there's the one, it's in the project section. There's the one, um, it might even just be the one that's actually connected directly to the, the, the main logo of the eagle, the flying one with the talons down. The detail on the feathers is just, wow, like, I, I don't know how you're so patient. Follow it, like get mad. Like, I, I don't know. Walk away. It's um, especially when I do the really big projects, it's very time consuming. So like, you know, the T-Rex is a two year undertaking. The Game of Thrones dragon is a two year undertaking. The Chinese dragon is a two year undertaking. So there's three sculptures that took six years of my life. And, wow. um, and those are, um, those aren't just like kind of, you know, that's not a nine to five kind of uh, Monday to Friday thing. That's like live, eat and breathe the thing for two years, working weekends, working Sundays. I mean, you know, not really having a life, not not hanging out with friends. My wife and I try to get away. You know, every year we try to do like a our big holiday is going on a motorcycle ride for two weeks and then it's back at it. And mm-hmm. um, and so it's been uh, I would say persevering when you get to the 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 scale that I'm building at, um, they're very daunting, challenging uh, pieces that really push your limits of perseverance. You know, after a year or, you know, 15 months of working on the same project, it starts to get hard to get out of bed. You're like, oh, God, I got to do this again. And, you know, and, and so it's, it's definitely a, a test of my willpower to get through these projects sometimes, you know, and, and, uh, they're very fatiguing, very physically demanding. I have lots of, uh, long lasting injuries for the work that I've done over the years. You know, I've had hernias, I've had torn muscles. I've had, um, mm. you know, slip cuts, discs. I'm sure. <laughs> cuts and, yeah. I put a grinder through my arm once. Oh and had, God. Kevin. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've had some, some pretty good injuries, but you know, I haven't lost any digits yet and I haven't broken anything severely yet. So, so we're okay there. Good. This is cool. It's, it's, I, I don't often struggle to find the words. You just have to see it for yourself and how beautiful it is. The patience, the detail, the work, the, um, the, the extramarital love affair you have with these beasts. Um, is uh, probably impossible to answer, but there's got to be a favorite. Is there one that that to you is the quintessential Kevin Stone favorite? Yeah, the definitely the Game of Thrones dragon. It shoots fire. You know, it has the pose. It's very daunting looking. It's extremely detailed. Um, it's it's dark and scary. And um, unfortunately, the the I had a little bit of a falling out with the guy that commissioned it towards right at the end basically everything was good till we were delivering it and then he absolutely flat out refused to pay for my time to uh you know disassemble it get it loaded on trucks didn't want to pay me peanuts to come out and assemble it on his property and it got to the point where you know i basically shipped it to him and we weren't even talking at that point so um so that really went you know, it was really disheartening after doing such an amazing piece, personally, my favorite piece. It's absolutely amazing. And, um, and then for him to, to do what he did. And then, and then in the end, um, 
now I, it's been delivered since January, and I don't even know if he's put it together. I don't know if he's hired somebody to work on it. I don't know if he's changed it. Oh, I don't it's know. Heartbreaking. Yeah, it was really uh, it was a little shocking to be honest with you when you do such an amazing piece and and uh, put your heart and soul into it and. And I probably ate a lot of funds on that because I did it, uh, you know, I bid too cheap on it and I overbuilt it. And so he got something that was um, uh, really valuable for a very, very low cost and then and then pulled that on me at the end. And it was really uh, just really disheartening. I've never had a client do that. And it was on my favorite piece, which made it even worse because yeah, right. we, we had news media waiting for us to come there and install it. We had plans of doing a bunch of drone footage and testing the fire on site and, you know, had all these wonderful ideas to to show it off. And uh, and now I, I haven't even seen it assembled. And I never this is another one that I actually never got to see completely finished and assembled because I had never had I had I'd had the tail um, kind of mocked up when I first built it. And then when I moved it into my new shop. I finished the tail and I never installed it because I had low ceiling heights. So I right. never actually got to see the the dragon with its tail fully complete because I think the tail went close to 30 feet in the air, which would, would have been awesome. That's cool. Your steel or, or your wholesale metal provider must love you. <laughs> well, I bounce around a lot. So, you know, um, you know, it's really hard one. I don't buy it like big giant bulks of, of metal. I buy, you know, five grand at a time, 10 grand at a time, depending on the projects I'm doing. And, uh, and then, you know, and I, and I try to shop around because, you know, you use the same supplier and then you find out that you're paying, you know, way more like 20% more with that supplier that you've been using for the last two years and find right. out somebody's offering it 20% less. And you're like, damn, why are they doing that? You know, so that it's yeah. been, it's kind of a cutthroat business in the steel industry and as far as supply and demand goes. Um, and of course, everything has doubled and tripled and quadrupled in price in the last few years. You know, wood and steel especially have just gone crazy. So so what I used to buy a sheet of metal for, I used to pay 40 bucks for a standard sheet of 18 gauge metal. And, you know, it's $109 now. It's, wow. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. Kevin, I'm going to put the links up to your website at shiftheads.ca for our Facebook group so everybody can see it and see the pictures for themselves. We'll share that out. Your Instagram account, probably the best place to direct people to as yeah. well. Metal Sculptor Kevin Stone. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram. And uh, the best place, if you really want to see, you know, the fire-breathing dragon and and uh, some videos that we've put up on YouTube under Metal Sculptor Kevin Stone on YouTube. Uh, you can actually see some great videos of us constructing the pieces and uh, lots of videos of the dragon shooting fire and, and us uh, building the T-Rex. And there will be some videos of us installing the T-Rex uh, being uploaded shortly. So, Okay, well, we'll pass all that on. This is a real pleasure, Kevin. Thank you. I love it. Thanks, Shane. I appreciate you having me on. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? Now, the story that I was telling you about uh, earlier with um, our, our guest that we just had, and th this is remarkable. I mean, the, the statues and sculptures that Kevin Stone has created, the one in Penticton, you can see it at shiftheads.ca in the Facebook group. But he had something to do with this, too. Um, and here's a reminder of what it was. Are you okay with barbecues? Or in this case, barbecues. 
A barbecue. I uh, I could really go for a barbecue hot dog right now, like right in this very wow. moment. I was just thinking about it because when I was grabbing my bread for my peanut butter toast snack, I saw my hot dog buns and thought, is it too late for a hot dog? Unfortunately, nope. it is too late for a hot dog, but maybe tomorrow. Never too late for a hot dog, Ryan O'Donnell. Earlier this year, Good News Tuesday, we shared the story of a real-life barbecue. A major award for current and former students at GW Graham Secondary School in Chilliwack. We introduced you to the giant bear barbecue back in June. It's a 5,000-piece, 4,000-pound work of art with room to cook three dozen burgers at a time. It took senior welding students eight months to complete. They sent it off to a national welding competition called Forged by Youth, and their instructor has just received word they won top prize, which comes with a $15,000 prize for the school. All right, so that was the story. It was 4,000 pounds, eight burners, takes a forklift to move it, 5,000 pieces of rusted metal on there uh, to do it. Now, this is the part that I learned (laughs) that's so incredibly cool. Uh, cool. Kevin Stone, they called him from the fabrication shop at the school and said, we need help putting fur on it. So they had it. They made it. They had this giant barbecue barbecue, but they really needed it to look like a bear. And because of his sculpture work and everything he's done with the dragons, with the eagles, with all of the bits and pieces, like Dollywood uh, amusement parks, you go, it goes in there and, and there's a giant eagle at the entrance that he made, right? Huge. So he went and helped them out and started to teach them how to do it. And then they all built it. So involved in the bear. Now, I've also heard that there's some more exciting news about that bear that we might hear about in the near future, too. So not only did we have Kevin on, which we had no idea the connection between these two stories, but to those kids in Chilliwack at the high school, too, who built the bear, um, those two stories are tangled up. Awesome. If you want to see the global video of all of that, um, the giant T-Rex that Kevin built, you can just go to shiftheads.ca, the Facebook group. I posted the YouTube video on there for you to check it out, too. Are you okay with dips? Dips. I, uh, I have an addiction to Philadelphia French onion dip. I don't, it, if it's out at a party, it's coming home with me. I don't buy it because I'll Ooh, eat it all. It. I'll steal it. Yep. Straight up. It is wow. so addicting. That and like a ruffled chip. Or just, yeah, it's just but that's why set. I have Ruffles French onion dip with Ruffles it's awful. chips. Ruffles French onion is terrible. Awful. Hell of a good dip. Terrible. We can't it's be friends. All of the it's all of Philadelphia for me. That's the the king of the dips. Hmm. Or the queen of the dips. Or the angel I don't, of the uh, dips. That's we can't be friends. Yeah. Yeah, That's okay. Friends I'm I'm willing to die on that hill. Um, all right. I, uh, I, I'm i not big on the dips. I, I like the French onion nope. dip, the, the, the Ruffles one. And, uh, I mean, that one That one to me is uh, was all right. Oh, there we go. Oops. You know this one, right? I, I don't know Didn't this include. one. Oh, really? No, I don't think I do. No, I definitely don't. <laughs> no, no, that's funny though. When I dip, you dip, we dip. No, you gotta sing that when you're doing your dip. We, you dip, you dip, we dip. 
dip, 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 dip. Anyway, that's Freak Nasty, in case you were wondering. I know that many shift heads listen to Freak Nasty on the regular. Um, anyway, I, I'm not really big on the dips. I, I don't uh, do a whole lot of it. I'm okay eating my vegetables without ranch dip. Although on a pizza, I will take my ranch and my Frank's hot sauce, oh, yeah. mix them together for a good Absolutely. pizza Absolutely. Heck yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, there is etiquette, though, um, to having a... <laughs> What the heck does that say? Oh, I got to hit the button. That is worthy, good worthy of the button. Eh, Etiquette's a hard word. It is a tough word. Um, Ida quite. (laughs) (laughs) I don't quite know how I wrote that one. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo. Proper dip Ida quite for you, thanks to Seinfeld. Did you just double dip that chip? Excuse me? You double dipped the chip. Double dipped? What, what, What are you talking about? You dipped the chip, you took a bite, and you dipped again. So? That's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip. Look, from now on, when you take a chip, just take one dip and end it. Well, I'm sorry, Timmy. But I don't dip that way. Oh, you don't, huh? No. You dip the way you want to dip. I'll dip the way I want to dip. Give me the chip. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, beautiful. Let me ask you a question about that. Are you the double dip? I'm not like, no. no. But can you do the dip, the turnaround in the dip for the double dip? Depends on the chip. If it's a small okay. chip, no. But if it's like a really large, like Tostitos uh, tortilla chip, it's mm-hmm. big enough. I'm okay with it. Yeah. All right. Uh, you're with your favorite people, family, partner. Double dipping is allowed. Yes. Okay. Agree. Maybe friends again. Not sure if the dip is in our next story was as uh, was polite or weird in this one, but there's a very British reporter from CNN with you for this one. A viral cheese pulling trend on TikTok has taken to new heights by one of the world's most popular tortilla chip makers. In Somerset, England, Doritos pulled off this pretty amazing stunt. It dunked a giant nacho into a tall pile of cheese to see how far it would stretch. And it didn't disappoint. The cheese spanned the length of almost 15 metres or 49 feet without snapping. According to the World Talent Organisation, it was indeed a world record. So all that effort didn't go to waste. A giant nacho. I like how he says nacho. nacho. And he called it pudding, which I thought was interesting. Instead of mm. dip, they call mm-hmm. it pudding, which is disgusting. But I'll take <laughs> just thinking yeah, it fit my for French onion either. pudding. Ugh. Yeah, I, I pudding, you pudding, we pudding. It's not the yeah. same as the song. Uh, the company said the stunt took over a month of preparation with the assistance of cheese scientists, helicopter pilots, <laughs> and others on the ground. Mozzarella is ranked as the best cheese for a cheese pull. Hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That mozzarella stick, you know, peel that open. That's how you know you got Mm -hmm. good cheese in it. Because it it, it peels? Because it pulls. Not peels. It pulls. But that's only a stick. Like, if you had a chunk of mozzarella, it doesn't pull apart. Like, proper mozzarella. Like, I don't think that's real mozzarella. No, I'm thinking, okay, look, obviously, yes, there's this clear distinction. I'm thinking, like, I'm at Pizza Hut. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I just got some mozzarella sticks, and I split them in half, and if it pulls, then I'm in good shape. That's what I'm talking about. 
Okay, fair enough. That's good. I get it. All right. Um, always goes back to the drinking. There you go. This is the Shift Podcast. Earlier on the Shift, we talked about regrowing teeth. It was part of Are You Okay With? The notion is, is that somebody has gone through, and this is amazing science, and created a shot that suppresses some things and encourages growth of other things. Clearly, I'm a doctor. And you grow a tooth. Now, jokingly, nobody guaranteed where you grew a new tooth, but you grew a tooth. And they've been able to do it with mice. They think they're going to be able to do it with humans. That sounds like a great notion. I didn't feel like that was um, helpful or would be a big issue in today's world because I feel like our vanity on teeth is what gets in the way of our teeth. We don't take care of our teeth, but we care about how they look. We'd rather have veneers than floss. <laughs> and I'm as guilty as anybody, first of all. Let me call myself out before anybody else does. Uh, Dr. Bruce Yahalnitsky is here, and Bruce does all things teeth. In fact, let me get the credential because I want to get this right. Um, periodontist? Did I get that right? Correct. Correct. Sweet. Yeah. What's the difference between Bruce? Thanks for being here. What's the difference between a periodontist and a dentist? Um, well, I went through dental school. I have a five-year DMD degree from the University of Saskatchewan. And then I did a three-year uh, master's program in periodontology, which is, uh, if you know your Latin, which most of us don't anymore, no. uh, perio is around and dotics is teeth. So I look at things around teeth. Oh, okay. Gums? Your mouth? Gums. Gums. I'm a gum gum guy. Oh, gum guy. Okay. So that means that when the dentist says your oral health or your physical health is generally can be found in your mouth, right? If you want to tell if somebody's healthy or not, probably look inside their mouth. You're going to find some clues to that investigation. That kind of lands in your, your world then. Exactly. Um, mm. We see it uh, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, except for Alberta Health, uh, our body, uh, which uh, starts at your lips and goes down with Alberta Health, it starts at the back of your throat and goes down. But mm -hmm. there's a real connection between the mouth and the rest of the body. Systemically, uh, uh, it's part of the digestive system. So it's important. amazing. Okay, so this is good. Recently, and, and you don't have to answer politically, I'm not asking you that. Um, in politics, of course, they talked about dental health with a th certain threshold for income and all those things. And I, while I personally struggle with some of the, the rules they've put around it, and I don't think it's quite complete how they've done it. The good news I've shared here on the show, Bruce, is that we, the more kids who wouldn't get in front of a dentist that will now get in front of a dentist, regardless of the politics, regardless of the incompleteness, I think, to this plan, that's got to be a good thing to get more young people into the habit of taking care of their face holes. You know, Shane, you're you're correct. Like it, it that that all dentists are are for that. Number one, though, is we really need to look at education. It starts with education. Um, we don't want to be treating; we want to be preventing. It's sort of what you started with. Why why grow a tooth? Let's mm. not lose the lose the tooth. And so education is really important. Uh, certain things like fluoride in water is hugely important. Uh, and then we get into to, to treatment options. But, mm -hmm. you know, let's prevent things first. And with the uh, number of new Canadians we have coming in, uh, education takes all forms. It's not just uh, English, French, uh, as, as we are in Canada, but it, 
it's all different languages and different ways of access, accessing those groups. Mm -hmm. And that must be difficult. I mean, I've never thought of it that way. You know, when you come to the border, you speak uh, perhaps what Canadians would call a stranger language because we're not used to it. Um, that's more strange to us. I mean, going to the dentist, going to the doctor, same thing. I know that we have uh, some family that they're uh, mute deaf and mute. So they, well, they can speak, but they've been deaf their whole lives. So it's not really, um, that clear, um, going to the doctor and being able to interpret what the doctor says is incredibly difficult. When you have, I have a, another friend who she's American, but she got married in Italy and her husband's Italian. And then they had a baby. Well, by the way, gynecologists in Italy don't speak English very often. So good luck trying to figure that out. You guys must go through the same thing with people who come to Canada. Yeah. And we do, but it's also, it, it comes from the schools, uh, those sort of things. Uh, you know, the other side of it too is is people coming from uh, different countries all, often have a different idea of what uh, healthcare is, what dental care is. They only go to dentists uh, when there's pain or discomfort. But like, we've got to eliminate that and start continuing to work on that uh, prevention part of things. Should we translate that a little bit into what we hear constantly? I mean, we don't hear dentists standing up saying, celebrate maintenance, not crisis. But in mental health, we hear psychologists stand up and say, we need to work on our mental health daily so we don't get to crisis as often. We don't ever hear that message from dentists. Why Why don't we hear well, that? I mean, actually, it sounds like actually, it's the same thing, actually, right? Actually, you do. Do uh, I? You know, yes. Dentists are always, when you go into a dental office, mm -hmm. um, we are trying to teach you how to floss and brush mm -hmm. properly. True. It's what, it's what you take away from that. And it's that proper home care uh, that's going to reduce uh, dental problems. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to sit with that. I'm trying to sit with why don't I listen then? I feel like when I go in and I get asked, did you floss? And everybody lies. Then, um, you know, I floss more now and lie less <laughs> than ever before. <laughs> um, but at the well, same time, well, the, I mean, I think that it, it's gone about in a different way. And I'm not sure that everybody hears it from the perspective of, I'm just looking out for you, champ, right? I don't think it, 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 it really, we don't hear it that way. Well, um, you know, you hear it from dentists, you hear yeah. it, you know, once or twice a year. Um, do we hear it uh, from educational blurbs on television or, right. you know, from the government? That's where the governments can come in uh, and be very helpful is with education, not just uh, on TVs or media, uh, but but uh, at schools, too. Like, I think part of we used to take health should be oral health yeah. as well. Well, yeah, no kidding, right? I mean, that mental health is getting looked at that way. Why yeah. wouldn't oral health that way? And I guess it's probably, and I'll say this, you don't have to agree or disagree. Politically, I mean, they've had no skin in the dental game because there's no consequence to their budget, minimal, compared it is to like Alberta Health or BC Health or Ontario Health. So then they don't have to encourage you to do the same things because they're not the ones that are paying so much the same way, right? Well, exactly. And, you know, uh, does that bring you votes? No, but yeah. it, it does help help the population, the most vulnerable population that really needs it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, making me think now, did I floss earlier today? That's <laughs> where everyone's brain's going right now. Uh, Dr. Bruce is here. And um, so talking about the what are some, let's get the basics. Okay. So we say that we're getting told these messages. I believe you. Uh, I, my recall of all the times, of course, my dentist tells me to do these things. I'm not quite sure I listen. So what are the basics, Bruce? We can change our lives when we change our oral health routines. 
I believe that our, our activity, our energy levels, everything else, when our mouth is clean and healthy. So what are some of the basics that, that maybe if we could take a top three things that we could do to really impact our days? You know, uh, number one is routines with, uh, with home care. And I read somewhere that 21 days to get into a routine. So flossing once a day, brushing twice a day, using a fluoridated toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Secondly is diets. Uh, and you know, staying and it's easier said than done, staying away from sugary, uh, refined carbohydrates, uh, uh, increases the decay rate, you know, that those are things that we need to look at, uh, just a good, well-balanced diet with fruits and vegetables and nuts instead of uh, sweet treats all the time. And, and th those would be the three top things that I would look at. Yeah, I don't want to go to a party at your house, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, but then we'll start to deviate a little bit. I'm going to add number four, which in my world is really important, is that that is uh, cessation or quitting smoking. Mm. Um, uh, with periodontal disease or gum disease, it, there's a high correlation between the two. And you know, unfortunately, with vaping and the increase in vaping with younger people, we're starting to see some of those oral manifestations or those effects of, of uh, smoking that we thought were just with smoking. We're seeing them in the mouth with vaping. Is that any research to do with nicotine so much as the smoke versus vapor or is it uh, is it something else? There's two factors. One is temperature and one is the product of nicotine. Interesting. Wow, I had had that in my mind because smoking was on my list of things to bring up. So, but I didn't think that vaping, of a of um, because I mean, hey, we've all seen the pictures of the mouths on the cigarette packs behind the before. Remember when you could see them and they weren't all covered up yeah. behind the till? Yeah, you know, everybody saw those, and you know, those were some pretty ugly, scary photos. But I would never have thought that vaping would have that same kind of effect. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, uh, the the industry with vaping is really uh, promoting it, quitting smoking, but. There's the other side of it because more and more young people are vaping. They're actually transitioning to smoking. Like it's it's going the other way. And yeah. those are things we, you know, I've I've spent 40 years doing this, trying to get people to quit smoking, and now all of a sudden I've got to get them to quit vaping too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, I'll call it out. I mean, I, I tobacco companies became very clearly they figured that they became nicotine delivery companies and drug dealers, yeah. and um yeah. and when vaping came out. We used to get lobbied all the time about, oh, you know, vaping's bad for you and popcorn lung and all those early things that were there. And legitimate or not, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that the tobacco companies fought against that. And then they started to realize, oh, we can play this game and buy all these companies and we can deliver nicotine everywhere. And I mean, that lobby is a huge thing. And yet it's yeah. something and, that's everywhere. And nicotine with flavor. Yeah. Like that's bubblegum flavor. Yeah. Let's go that way. Who's right. that going after? Yeah, it always took a weird, really weird grandma or aunt to really love a good menthol cigarette, yeah. <laughs> right? But now you can get cotton candy, so yeah, exactly. why wouldn't you? Exactly. All right. uh, Dr. Bruce is here. We're talking about teeth and all those different things. Okay, uh, growing teeth. Cool science. The article says that these guys, they say that they can grow teeth in mice. I, I, It seems like a bit of a long ball of regrowth. I mean... What are we looking at here? We get a maybe a shot in your mouth. Uh, maybe it's a shot in the arm. They didn't declare that part. And then you grow a tooth. But there's no guarantee that it grows the right way, upside down, right side up, out of your forehead, nothing. Well, you know, it's the beginning of new technology. And let's give it 10 or 20 years, and maybe we'll see something that's more practical. Until they start doing human studies, um, 
you know, uh, we have to watch it with interest because I think it's great to get all the layers of two structure laid down. That's pretty amazing. But uh, yeah, you have some valid questions. There, uh, it is cool science though. I mean, oh, it, oh, what, a, great. Cool, what yeah. a cool idea. Um, so let me ask you about that because my accusation that I made was that, you know, I don't think it would make a difference because we as people today are so vain, we would rather have veneers than regrow a tooth. We're not patient enough for that, right? We got to get it done. And at the same time, though, with all of the implants and the magnetic clip-ins and all the things you can get today with false teeth and dentures and everything else that's there to support you if you do lose your teeth, obviously, healthy teeth is good for you. That's what is the goal. But we have this crossroads, and this must be, in your industry, this must be an interesting crossroads because you have this vanity of, I want to have the perfect Cheshire cat smile. And then you also have this, I'm convenient and lazy, and I don't want to do the work to get it. And so how do you, how do you deal with that intersection? That's a great question, Shane. And it's actually a a real problem in in ours because we're, we're promoting uh, home care all the time, maintenance of things. And you say, I want all this done. And five years later, it fails on you and you go, well, you did questionable work and we're saying well but you didn't listen to us how to maintain things and keep them clean and healthy like it's a it's a real balance between those two and so you, you're right we live in this instant society um uh of wanting gratification uh and that doesn't always work well with long-term uh, health of your mouth yeah oh we we hate doing the work as, as a society yeah. today i mean anything we we can do for a shortcut i mean we can't get to the coffee pot before bed to put in the grounds to push the button to start in the morning. We would rather sit for 15 minutes in a drive-through. Like put yeah. it in con- put real life humanity <laughs> into context, right? Like this is yeah. what we do. And uh, so it seems to me to be crazy to think that anybody would go the hard way and try to do things properly when it comes to their their oral health. Okay, Dr. Bruce, you're the gum guy. I've always been curious to this. Only once in my life did I ever have a dentist say that my gum lines were receding. It was probably 25 years ago. Never since has a dentist said that. My question is, though, it's kind of like your hair. Is it kind of like your hairline where there are some products that can help you out? Or is it a one-shot deal like you think it is? So most of us have some gum recession. Um, it's often related to habits, uh, overbrushing, um, or maybe not taking care of uh, of teeth. Gums will recede because of gum disease also. Uh, But most cases, if it's due to a habit, it it will alter itself. It doesn't necessarily uh, increase in age. It it increases in time. And the reason I use that term, I had, my mother passed away at 94 and she had all her teeth and she had no recession. Wow. You know, uh, um, she also had a husband who was a dentist and two sons who were dentists, but yeah, that's another like, story. <laughs> there was pressure there. <laughs> yeah, but but you know she didn't have the overly aggressive toothbrushing. She wasn't trying to uh, whiten her teeth with uh, at home products uh, that sometimes are a little caustic. Um, so uh, you know some people need some gum grafting with recession if it's progressive and it's going to cause them further damage. Other people don't. Um, how steady is your hand? I mean, those seem like really little bits, aren't it? 
Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. it's it's uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, like how big are the <laughs> microscope glasses things that you wear? Yeah, like you know, I I don't wear uh, microscope glasses. No, but, uh, you can't I, just I, look I, at that. Like no, you get? Yes, I do. Seriously, I mean, uh, I'm one of the few ones uh, who do. People get uh, uh, hooked on them, and then they need stronger and stronger. So I've uh, I've just got a little bit of correction with uh, age, and that was it. Really? Yeah, I find that amazing. Where do you graph from? Uh, we usually take it from the, the roof of the mouth, which is a sort mm. of a heavier type of gum tissue. Um, and it just grows is, better uh, up there to regrow back versus... Yeah, actually, it fills back in again, and uh, it takes over the sort of the genetic potential of the gum that we place it under, so it gets the same nice match color yeah. and stuff like that wow. if you take it from underneath. See, I could have told you that part because I was drunk in a bar once. And I went outside to the hot dog guy and I bought a sausage in a bun and it was right off the barbecue and you know, sausages are greasy. I took the bite and it squirted the grease up to the top of my mouth and it burned my mouth so bad. It was like peeling. I know that's disgusting for everybody. Yeah. And I thought I was like, Oh my God, I just like literally screwed up my mouth forever. It took a while, but everything was normal. It was good. See, but see, that's, that part uh, I knew. that's basically how I tell people that it's what it's going to feel like is it feels like a bad cheese burn from pizza you know oh. i mean all of us have done that and mm -hmm. so it it fills back in again yeah oh that's i mean so okay your dad was a dentist yeah who's a better dentist you or your brother my brother's a general dentist he has more skill than i i know more about less okay fair enough um so uh, yeah he was uh he, he he was a very talented dentist uh, so your uh your dad your brother and you and your mom and uh, she lived so long and had a healthy oral health she, she was the guinea pig of yeah of but who was her yeah. favorite dentist though you know that's a good question we never <laughs> we never asked that one I, <laughs> see, tough, right? see i just imagine being married to a dentist that it just it's like when every day you get into bed you know your partner and you're like did you brush <laughs> did you count? Did you sing happy birthday? Like, did you do all the tricks? Yeah, that's right. No, no. no, man. It's like when you have guests come over, like, welcome to our home. Here's a free plethora of toothbrushes for you. Well, that's right. You start at the front door with the powder room and floss and brush there, and then you come into the house. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of like some houses where you, you know, have to take your, take your shoes off, of course, or wash your hands. Exactly. Right? You come in? exactly. Oh, yeah. so good. This is fun. Uh, Bruce, let's leave everybody with one uh, perhaps inspiring bit that you know what's one thing that everybody needs to know that really can make this different for themselves because routines are hard to build habits are hard to break sometimes we don't know we remember the circle circle slide sort of of the the brushing we remember all those bits and pieces but at the same time you know sometimes we forget what's what's one thing that bruce needs to leave us with well I, I, this is a little different direction but it really uh dental health is part of your general health and, and that's very important there's more and more associations between uh, chronic inflammatory diseases such as periodontitis or gum disease and uh, heart disease uh, pneumonia uh, oral cancers all kinds of things so you know people are so concerned about taking care of themselves they're changing diets they're they're going to workout clubs but they're not taking care of their mouth and i think that needs to become a prominent part of their lifestyle simple fix for a much bigger problem yeah very simple yeah nice it's yeah. good um in the meantime i will not be volunteering for a grow teeth somewhere in my mouth shot i don't know about you bruce 
but cool science nonetheless. I like it. No, it is. It's great. Now, dentistry keeps up with technology, that's for sure. Oh, man, it's cool, though. Even the way they clean their teeth, right? Uh, from 10 years ago today, five years ago today, the technology and the work is is quite remarkable. Bruce, thanks for this. Conversations about our teeth and uh, oral health in general, never bad for anybody. And all it takes is it's okay if you brush your teeth once a day. If It's okay. Look, you're a human, but twice a day is going to make you feel better. So give it a shot. That's really it, right? Well, twice a day. I'm not going to say once a day. Twice a day and floss once a day. Yeah, that's, see, there uh, you go. That's the rule. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the rule. That's the rule. Nice. Leave everybody inspired. Bruce, okay. thanks for being here, bud. Thank you, Shane. Nice talking to you. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 